Thank you for tuning in again to the Rocky Brown Ministries podcast. I am Rocky Brown. Okay. Well, praise God. I didn't, uh, up until probably about an hour ago, I didn't even know if I was going to be able to do this tonight with the revelation of extensive, the extensive revelation of certain content that I got to see today. So, uh, So, this one is going to be in-depth, got a lot of material to cover, and if it's okay, we'll just hold off on comments and questions until the end of service. I want to talk to you, the question I want to pose to you is, do you know how serious God is about your healing? See, people are wishy-washy about it, right? They don't know if they will, or if he can, and if he can, will he, and... You know, well, most likely he wouldn't because you think you people think that they get it on their merit, and of course you're not going to get anything on your merit. No matter how good of a person that you are or you think you are, or you don't get anything from God based on your goodness. It's all because of the work of Jesus. Amen. Every bit of it. So, I want to read this. I, I want to talk to you tonight about how serious God is about your healing. So if you have a Bible with you, you can turn to two openings. Now these are very, very common texts amongst charismatic churches. But I'm going to tell you something. We're going to see some stuff here in the Word tonight that I've never seen before, that I've never heard taught or preached in any type of context or setting. It is extremely burdensome for me to bring this one. So I'm going to read to you Isaiah... I'm going to start in Isaiah. Isaiah 53. And I'm going to read verses 4 and 5. And the word of the Lord brought to the prophet Isaiah says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon Him. And by His stripes we are healed. Now you've got to understand something. Isaiah is looking through the Spirit of God into the future seeing something that he can't possibly understand. See, he can't possibly understand permanent atonement for sin. He can't possibly understand permanent purchase of healing because everything in their system is based on works and sacrifice. The works of the person and the sacrifices that they have to make to atone for sin or transgression and so on and so forth. So the prophet Isaiah is seeing something that he he can see it, but in his mind he can't fathom what's taking place because he can't understand it. How can you understand something you've never seen before? Now, it's important to understand that if we had any real concept of everything that Jesus went through during the scourging and how serious He and God the Father and the Holy Spirit are about our healing, we would never allow sickness to stay in our bodies. But see, you've got to understand something. You have to look at what Jesus did. You have to take into... You have to, you have to understand what Jesus went through. 
And see, we read over this, and that's the problem. We read over it. And then we just pass it by like it's something common or casual, and we just go past it, and it doesn't mean anything. Or has very little meaning unless you're sick. And then, you, you know, some people, you might start studying it a little bit. And there are lots of, there are people here who will tell you, there are people that will tell you that this particular text applies to spiritual healing. So when you're saved, God say, you know, God heals you spiritually. Well, this text in no way, shape, form, or fashion is talking about spiritual healing. Can you heal something that's dead? See, spiritually, you were dead. Your spirit was dead to God. So I can prove that to you in Ephesians. That's why it took me a minute to get there. See, Ephesians chapter 2 says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, who once, in which you once walked according to the curse of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom all among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, thank God He's rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even, here He repeats it again, when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. How did you become alive? Spiritually, how did you come alive? You didn't. God didn't heal you. He didn't reach down there and touch your spirit and heal you. Your old spirit couldn't be healed. You'll come to find out in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that the Holy Spirit, one of the three types of baptism, the Holy Spirit took your spirit, the old spirit, baptized you into Christ, and that killed the old spirit. And when you came out, you were a brand new creation in Christ according to 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. So you were not healed spiritually. You were dead. Spiritually, you were dead. Why is that important? Because your terminology is important. We need to act like we know what we're talking about. You can't heal what is dead. So see, you were made alive together with Christ. So then that clears that out of the way. Now this proves to you right here, this is talking about physical healing. This is talking about that everything that Jesus went through in that scourging was to pay for your healing. Isaiah 52, I'm going to back up just a couple verses. Now I want you to read, I want you to understand what's taking place here. Isaiah, look at Isaiah 52 and 14. Now look what it says. It says, I'm going to read to you from three, I'm going to give you three different translations right here. First is the New King James. And it says, Just as many were astonished at you, so his visage was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. The NIV would say it like this. His appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form was marred beyond human likeness. The Amplified Classic says it this way. His face and his whole appearance were marred more than any man's. His form beyond that of the sons of men. Well, what's Isaiah talking about here? Visage. That's the word for his face. So take that and remember that. The visage is his face. His form is talking about his body. Now here's what you've got to understand. 
Roman scourging was the most brutal form of punishment that there just about the history of man has ever recorded. Now here's some things you have to understand. Jesus was scourged at the hands of sinners, working under the full control and power of Satan. See, Satan's dominion in the earth had not been broken at this point. So the people that he's turned over to are notoriously the most brutal torturers that there are. And he's going to be subjected to the most brutal form of punishment that there is. And he's going to be subjected to this punishment at the hands of people who are working under the fullness of the power and sway of Satan. Roman scourging. We're going to, this, is going to get, this is going to get graphic, folks. Because it's important that you understand what Jesus went through. You, it's important for you to understand what He went through so that you'll see how serious God is about your healing. Roman scourging was primarily carried out by two people, two soldiers. And they carried whips called surges. Now, scourges. Now, later in years, that would adapt another terminology in medieval times called a cat of nine tails. But it was not called that in the time of the Romans. It was called a scourge, a scourging whip. At this time in, life, at this time in the world, this is called a scourging whip. That whip could vary in length from two, anywhere from 18 inches to five feet long. And it could have two or more tails on the whip. And those whips, those braided straps of leather, they had embedded in that leather glass, bone, metal, pieces of wire, all throughout that, all throughout the length of that, each one of those tails. And the soldiers simultaneously struck the person. Now see, it's important for you to understand the positions and the, and the content of this. See, you have to understand something. There were two primary ways that the Romans bound people. They could be bound. They could be bound standing straight up to a column with their hands bound over their head and their feet bound to where they couldn't move. So one way is they're bound to a column with their hands over their head and their feet bound so that they can't move. A second way was that they were bound over a column that was about two feet tall. So they were bent over a column about two feet tall where their hands and feet were fixed where they couldn't move. And they were stripped naked. So they're completely stripped naked before they're beaten. Now, why is this important? Because, see, it talks about how marred Jesus' face was and how marred His body was. No part of Jesus' body was off limits to the soldiers who were scourging Him. So the Son of God is affixed to this post completely naked. And simultaneously, he's being beaten 
by two soldiers who are under the fullness of the power of the sway of Satan. Now you've got to understand something. The technique here is designed to render as much damage with each blow as can possibly be as can possibly be rendered. So you've got to understand something. See these the way that these whips worked is that they whipped them around and they dig into the flesh and the soldiers would use a pulling technique and yank that whip back. Tearing the flesh. Tearing out hunks of flesh all across Jesus' body. Historically speaking, we have an account from Josephus who was a first century historian recorded a lot of these things. He said that the scourging by the Romans, he said lots of times the victims' bodies were so torn by the the scourging that their guts would fall out. That their spine would be laid bare. That their veins would be hanging out. Lots of times it killed the people. See, Paul would account and he'd say five times I was beaten with 39 stripes. Well, see, the Jews, they had a similar technique to this. But lawfully, they were only allowed to render 40 blows. But most commonly, they only rendered 39 because usually the 40th blow killed the victim, killed the person who was being scourged. But Jesus is not being scourged at the hands of Jews. He's being scourged at the hands of Romans who have no limit. At all, whatsoever. Isaiah said that his face was marred more than any man. This could quite possibly mean... Now I want you to think about this. With the technique and the weapon that they're using and at the hands of the people that he's been given into, it's quite possibly that the Savior's nose was tore off. That it tore the flesh off of his face so badly that his teeth and facial bones were exposed. See, it says he was marred more than any other man. Hunks of his skull, hunks of his scalp taken out, and parts of his hair gone. Could have possibly tore his ear off. It says that his body, that his body was marred beyond recognition as a man. Hunks of his flesh taken out from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. See, you've got to understand, see, this is, this, is not the, this is not the payment. This is not the fullness of the payment for sin. This is the payment for your healing. Because He's going to go and finish paying for sin at the cross. But see, at this point, see, He's already been beaten twice. You start studying the Gospels and you'll come to find out when He gets to the scourging, He's already been beaten twice. This makes the third time. Isaiah says that what Jesus went through was worse than any human, anything that any human has ever went through. Because it says, you've got to understand, he's standing at one point looking into the future, and he says his image, his visage, and his form was marred more than any man. 
So the Lord Jesus was beaten worse than any human being could ever possibly be beaten and still survive. For your healing. See, we're going to look at that. These soldiers were trained in using these whips mercilessly and they prided themselves on being so brutal. They prided themselves on the fact that a ruler, a Roman emperor or a ruler or a governor like Pilate could threaten to scourge people or a crowd of people and most of the time it would completely dispel the uproar. Even the most hardened criminals wanted no part of a scourging. See, have you ever wondered? See, it says, why more than any other man though? Have you ever thought about that? It says it more than any other man. Why? Because Satan, working through these men, was extracting his revenge on the Son of God. Or so he thought. Because see, everything that he was doing right there, all that was doing was helping to bring forth the plan that God had for the fullness of healing for his children. So do you think that was the power of God keeping him alive during the scourging? I'd I mean, say, so very, well, beyond, very possible. Beyond any other normal man, it had to be the power of God very, very possible. And see, this was payment. See, this was, there was, a, this was a payment that was required for your healing. For the fullness of your healing. Here's what the Holy Spirit said to me while I was studying this. And see, I got to see a lot of this and it was just about an hour and a half before this service. I called Vernon and I said, I, I don't know if I can do this. With the things I've seen, the things the Holy Spirit showed me, I don't know if I can... I, I don't know if I can do this. If people, especially Christian people, had any real idea of the horror that the Lord Jesus had to go through to pay for their healing, their lips would completely cease to utter the words, if it be God's will, He'll heal me. If you had any earthly idea at all what Jesus had to go through to pay for your healing, those words would never come across the lips of any person that ever understood that. Because they would see what you're going to see right here. And it's really simple once you start studying it. I want to show you this. Starting at Isaiah 53 and 4, it says, Surely that word means truly or indeed or truthfully. He has borne those three English words translated from a singular Hebrew word that means to lift up, to bear up, and to take away. Our griefs is a Hebrew word that means sickness, disease, and anxiety. And carried, those two words, translated from a Hebrew word, that means to bear a load, to take upon yourself. Our sorrows is translated from a Hebrew word that means our pain, mental or physical, grief, anguish, and affliction. Now this is interesting. But he was wounded. Those four words, translated from a Hebrew word, that means dishonored, desecrated, defiled, to be wounded and pierced. Why was He wounded? For our transgressions. 
for our sins or trespasses, our rebellion. He was bruised and crushed and beat to pieces. That's what that means. For our iniquities, our faults, our mischief, our sin, the chastisement, the the disciplining, or the correction. That's what... That's what went upon Jesus. For our peace, completeness, safety, soundness in body, tranquility, and contentment. It was upon Him and by His stripes, His bruises, His stripes, His wounds, we are healed, we are healed, to heal, repair thoroughly, cure, and make whole. Why did Jesus do it? He didn't do anything that wasn't the will of His Father. So see, that right there would tell you that it's the will of God for people to be healed. See, people like to tell you that, well, that's not so. You've got to watch people. People will tell you stuff that's not right based on the content of what's in their heart. Someone they respect told them that healing wasn't for everybody, and so now they just believe it, irrelevant to what the Word of God says. Someone that said they were believing for healing died sick, now God's Word's not true and that what that person said was. You know, heaven forbid that Mamaw really not be telling us the truth that, you know, what's coming out of her mouth is not really what's in her heart. So let's just make the, the God of heaven and earth a liar. You see that? See, that's what you're doing. That's what happens. Jesus did this because it was the Father's will for Him to go through that so He could purchase our healing. Why? Because it's good in His sight for His children to be well. Do you want your children to be sick? You want your children to have cancer? You want your children to have disease? No. And unlike us, God actually paid for His children to be healed. God paid for it. Jesus paid for it. God wants you well. He wants you whole. Why? Because sickness and disease is a thief. It steals time. It steals finances. It'll steal your life if it can. Jesus paid the highest price for our healing. And it is dishonoring to Him to say, if it's God's will, He'll heal me. It's dishonoring. Jesus proved it. He proved to us that it's God's will to heal any and all who will believe. He proved it. In the Gospels, the only time that we see that Jesus went anywhere and He could only heal a few sick people was when He went back to His own hometown and they wouldn't believe. But there are lots of places where He went lots of places and healed many or all who were sick and afflicted. Thousands of people. Jesus never said, well, you know what? You know... You messed up last week, and so that's not pleasing to God. And you know what? I believe I'm just going to let you have this cancer for another six months to teach you a lesson. (laughs) 
And these people that will tell you, well, you know, God's given me this sickness so that I can, so that He can prove, you know, so that I can prove how holy I am, or you know, He He gives His hardest battles to His strongest warriors. That's ridiculous. He gave His hardest battle to His strongest warrior, and that is His only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ, Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of heaven's armies, the commander of heaven's armies. He had one tough battle, and that was to redeem man, and you couldn't do it. But Jesus could, so He did. See, we've got to get this, we've got to get our thinking right. See, think about it. You gotta get, we got to get our thinking right. See, Jesus paid for this. God said, this is what I'm going to do. And Jesus said, I'm going to pay for it. See, it was not free. What is given to you liberally now, which is free to you, was purchased at the highest price. Salvation was not free. It was purchased. And now Jesus gives it liberally to all who will come and believe. Same way with healing. See, Jesus proved it. See, think about it. I I mean, think about this. Think about the horror that the Lord Jesus went through and He endured for people to be healed. I've got people right now that are people that are sick that will argue you, well, you know what? I believe it's just, you know, if I get it, I get it, and if I don't, I don't. Well, you never will with an attitude like that. You never will. See, that's not faith. See, that's a cop-out excuse. Well, you know, if I get it, it'll just be because God wants me to have it, and if I don't get it, it'll be because He doesn't want me to have it, and then there I'll be. Well, that's not right. The Bible doesn't say that anyway. It's not right. See, we've got too many doctrines that are not biblical. Written from the heart of men with either ignorant or dishonest intent. See, Jesus paid for it. He paid for it. He, he took a... I, I mean, he, he took a beating. That's worse than any other man has ever taken ever in the history of the world. Because it was God's will to be able to provide permanent healing for His children. Physical healing for anyone who will believe. Think about it. It's just as likely that the Savior's lips was tore plumb off of His face. That His eyelids were ripped away. brutally marred from the top of His head to the soles of His feet at the hands of men that were merciless working under the sway and power of Satan to pay for your healing. 1 Peter 2.24 says this, Start at verse 18. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh, for this is commendable. 
because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffer, grief suffering wrongly. For what credit is it if when you're beaten for your faults, you take it patiently, but when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this patiently, this is commendable before God. Now let's say there. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving an example that you should follow his footsteps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he reviled did not revile in return, when he suffered he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that ha- he that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness." by whose stripes you were healed. Stripes there is translated from the Greek word molops, and it means blow, mark, stripe, or full body bruise. Healed is translated from the Greek word eomai. And if you look that word up in your Greek concordance, in your Greek New Testament, every time it's translated to some sort of physical healing. Physical healing. Physical healing. See, the Lord Jesus endured the worst possible beating that could ever be beat, that could ever happen at the hands of his worst enemy. See, Satan had no idea that what he was participating in right there was going to help God's future children. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 talks about it. It says, had the rulers... Now, he's not talking about the Roman rulers. He's not talking about the Jewish rulers. He's talking about the rulers of the principalities. Rulers and principalities. Had they known what they were doing, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Well, why is that? Well, because they screwed up big time. They had no earthly idea. See, they thought that they were being that they were going to be victorious and triumphant and that the earth was going to be theirs. They had no earthly idea that redemption for man was coming. That the establishing of a new covenant was coming. And that that new covenant was a far better covenant established on better promises. Well, see, the old covenant had healing in it. The old covenant had protection in it. The old covenant had provision in it. The old covenant had a way for a person to stay somewhat in good standing with God, but they couldn't stay that way permanently. But the new covenant, if it's a better covenant, then that must mean that it has everything that the old covenant had plus a whole lot more. You'll come to find out in Ephesians 1 and 3 where it talks about it said that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. See, people talk about suffering. Well, Jesus didn't suffer with sickness while He was here. Jesus didn't suffer with sickness. But see, that's a common thing. You know, you're... You know, if you're sick, you're having to suffer for Christ. Well, these same people that are telling you that, why do they tell you to go to the doctor? If sickness is suffering for Christ, then let's, then bless God, let's be the best sick people we've ever seen, right? We say that all the time. Let's be the best sufferers we can be. Let's don't be hypocrites. 
Come on, now you're a hypocrite. If you say that sickness is suffering for Christ and when you get sick, you go to the doctor to try to get rid of the sickness that's trying to produce, that you call creating perfect suffering. That suffering Jesus is talking about is suffering against sin, struggling against sin, seeing a lost and dying world. To heal the sick is a minute thing for the Lord Jesus, for the power of God, for anyone who will believe. By His wounds, we were healed. So, see there? See, there's no... There's no, there's no name right there in those texts. So I can't say, well, I get healing, but T.G. doesn't. And David can't disqualify me. Because if I believe this, then I'm a part of the we. Much like whosoever means whosoever. Amen. Come on. Don't believe, these, don't believe this bunch of nonsense preached by people with ill intent in their heart thinking that they're better than everybody else. They'll have to stand, if they're a believer, they'll have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and answer to Jehovah themselves for that statement. You don't, look, you don't worry about that nonsense. You just don't believe it. Whosoever means whosoever. Whosoever call upon the name of the Lord, be saved. Whosoever says that this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea, and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes that the things that he says will come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatsoever you ask for in prayer, believing that you'll receive it, and you'll have it. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever, same word, well, whosoever in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, and Mark chapter 11, 23, must mean the same thing that it means in John 3, 16. And see this text right here? See, this applies to anybody who will believe. Jesus said nothing will be impossible to whosoever will believe. Amen. To, the one who, to the believing ones, nothing will be impossible. So you're going to tell me that you can believe that you're going to die and leave this world and go to heaven and live forever, but you can't believe that by the stripes of Jesus you've been made whole. The proof's in the eating of the pudding here, folks. If you can't believe for something lesser than, you can't believe for something greater than. If I can't believe for $10, I sure can't believe for 1000 Don't tell me, people. These people, some of these people, need to get their hearts checked. That's in line with the word. They need to metanoia. They need to repent. They need to change their thought processes in the way that they believe, in the way that they see things. Whosoever means whosoever. God said that. I didn't say that. If I'd said it, it'd probably I'd have probably named names. Well, I don't like this guy. He ain't gonna get it. I don't like that guy. He ain't gonna get it. He's okay. I'll consider him, and maybe he'll get it later on. Thank God. What did it say? God is merciful. Rich in mercy is what it says. Abundant, overflowing in mercy. And He is so serious about your healing that He allowed His only Son to be tied to a post. Whether it's in the upright position, whether it was in the bent over position, His Son was exposed, naked, and beaten from the top of his head to the soles of his feet mercilessly. Why? So that you could be healed. He paid for it. 
That's how serious God is about your healing. That's how serious God is about anybody's healing. Who will believe? There are lots of people that are falling away to nothing, and it's apart from God's will. Because their doctrine isn't right. Because what they believe isn't right. Because as they've judged, so they've been judged. There's been lots of people that went out condemning people in their sickness saying that it was because of sin that may not have been sin, that immediately, or a time, a time that goes by, they fall sickness, fall prey to a sickness that's far worse than what the sickness they've been condemning other people with. Why? Because Jesus said, judge not and you won't be judged. But be extremely careful for the judgment in which you use because that same judgment that you use, you're going to be judged by. So guess what? You get out telling people that sickness, he, that well, you know what? God's punishing you with sickness because of your sin. Well, guess what? You're going to screw up eventually and you're going to fall into that same judgment. And you know what? And the people that's telling people, well, you know what? You've had to have messed up because God hasn't healed you yet or God isn't going to heal you. He doesn't heal everybody. Guess what? When those people get sick, they're not going to get it either. Because the same judgment that you use, you'll be judged by. Jesus said, the, take heed, be extremely careful, the rule in which you use to measure. For you will be measured by that same rule. So guess what? You know what? You know why I'm so intent on the fact of believing that healing is for everybody who will believe? Because I believe that at points I've had to have healing and I may need it again. And praise God, I'm going to believe it for everybody who will believe See, sometimes you got to get, sometimes you have to admit, well, whatever this church is teaching, or whatever this particular person's teaching, or whatever this particular doctrine says, is not right in the sight of the Bible. And if it's not right in the line of God's Word, kick it out, metanoeo, repent, turn away from it, and start going the right direction. Quit disqualifying people for stuff. For what you disqualify other people, you disqualify yourself inevitably. See, healing's for everybody. See, Jesus paid for it. Much like salvation is for everybody. See, Jesus paid for that. Amen. He paid for it. He purchased it with His own blood and the laying down of His life and the physical destruction of His body. He paid for it. He paid for it. Jesus paid for it. I don't get anything from God based on anything that I do other than faith in Jesus. See, faith is what pleases God. Well, if I go to God and say, well, you know, I've been such a good person. I've been doing this and I've been doing that. And He said, I'm not hearing you. I'm not hearing you. But here is the promise. John... 1 John chapter 14, or 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, it says, In Him we have this confidence that if I pray anything according to His will, number one, I know that He hears me. Well, that's good. I'm glad that He hears me. But what's my confidence? If I know that He hears me, I know I have the petition in which I've asked. See, it's not wrong to petition for healing. It's not wrong to ask God for provision. It's not wrong to ask God for protection. Even though there's a lot of people out there that will tell you that. It's not wrong in the side of the Bible. See, I don't want to hear these people's theories that are outside the Word 
just because they have titles or just because they have digits at the end of their name or whatever else. I'm telling you, if what they're saying ain't right in the sight of the Word, I got nothing to hear. I, got, I have no interest to hear what you have to say. I don't care who you are. I don't care how educated you are. If you try to start justifying abortion to me, I no longer have care nor have any need to hear what you have to say. Your moral compass is skewed and I can no longer trust your judgment. And when people start perverting the Word, making it say something that it does, that it does not say, or in making people believe things that it does not teach, I have no need to listen to what that person has to say other than to try to help them, hey, look, this is not right. What you're saying here is not right. If Jesus said, nothing will be impossible to the one who believes, and someone says, well, you know, God really doesn't do that anymore, and they can't prove that to you in the light of the Bible, I would just side with Jesus. See, you always got to consider the intent of the heart of the person. Why are they trying to tell me something that's contrary to what the Bible tells me? Healing is for anyone who will believe. Jesus never healed the first Christian in His ministry. There was no such thing as the first Christian. They could not be Christians because He had not been crucified and buried and then raised from the dead. So the countless multitude of people that was healed, provided for, not the first one of them, was a born-again Christian. And yet, John, the last chapter of John, in the end in verses of John, talks about the ministry of the Lord Jesus and said that if the works that Jesus had did while He was here on the earth in three and a half years were written down one by one, John said, I suppose the world could not contain the books. Now that's what the Bible says. Now I didn't write the Bible. I do believe the writer though. I'm going to take his word. That's what I'm saying. See, Jesus paid for this. How serious God is about your healing is the fact that he let his son go through this so that you could be healed of whatever sickness, disease, affliction, anxiety, depression, addiction. God doesn't want you chained by anything that has anything to do with the devil. Why would He want you to wear a necklace that has Satan's name on it? Or a bracelet that's been fashioned by Satan? He doesn't want you to have any part of anything to do with the kingdom of darkness. See, Jesus paid the highest price. We keep going back to that. See, it's about the price that Jesus paid. It's about everything that Jesus did. It's about everything that Jesus endured. For you. For you. Now, if you need, we're going to wrap this thing up here, the, the broadcast side of this thing. But if you need healing for anything, I'm going to tell you right now, the power of God is present to heal you. Because the Holy Ghost is here. I can't heal a gnat's wing. But now I'll tell you what. The Holy Spirit can do it. Amen. If there's an addiction, 
that you or a fear or a worry or a doubt or whatever else, the Holy Spirit is here to help. And He's ready. He's ready. We'll go ahead and close that the public side of this thing out. We'll have prayer for the we'll have prayer for anybody that needs it.